are listening to CITR Radio 101.9 FM, broadcasting from unceded Musqueam Territory in Vancouver at the UBC campus. My name is Ileana Sosa. I'm going to be your host today at this Arts Report. And today we have a very special interview with Vincent McCurley. He's going to be talking to us about his VR game, Cardboard Crash, that will be premiering at Real to Real Film Festival for Youth on July 13th at the Granville Island. So go check it out. Sorry for the difficulties, but we're going to have some of the interview is going to be cut a little short. Uh, Not short, but going to be cut a little bit too early in the interview. So sorry about that, but you'll definitely be able to hear some of the questions. Thanks for being patient. Um, Two artists here from Vancouver. Uh, another piece that we have is Theodore Ushchev's um, Blind Vaisha, which is a Oscar-nominated film. Oh, wow. This is the uh, VR version of it. And so um, I think people will really enjoy that one. That one is a, has a very interesting storyline where the main character can see the future out of one eye and the past out of the other. Oh, my God. That's going to be very <laughs> disorienting. And so, yeah, it, it is kind of disorienting, but um, the VR headset really works well with the story. And I think we'll also have uh, another piece called Minotaur, which was created in, by our animation studio in Montreal. Um, and it's kind of this psychedelic animation in 360 video. And then we all also have uh, Cardboard Crash, which is the piece that I built, which is kind of an interactive VR piece that looks at the ethics of artificial intelligence and self-driving cars. Yeah, I was <laughs> able to play it a couple of seconds ago, <laughs> right before we started this program. And I kind of went like... As you could tell from people listening right now, you could tell I was having a little difficulty, so sorry about that. <laughs> um, yeah, I was playing it, and I was kind of, it reminded me of kind of the trolley problem that we all kind of learn if you ever take a philosophy class, or someone's like, hey, would you do this, or would you, would you like crash into someone, or would you like crash into someone else, like that kind of problem you hear up of a lot. Do you, was that like an inspiration for you, or... Definitely, yes. Um, so, yeah, you're basically in a self-driving car, and then at one point it asks you to make this very difficult ethical decision as to what to do. But I guess the, the twist on, on this one is that um, it asks you what you would do, and then it asks you again after it provides you all this information about the situation, um, similar to what an artificial intelligence system in a self-driving car would be able to access. So as these AI um, self-driving cars get uh, better and better at uh, analyzing um, the situations and connect out to the network and sensors, they'll be able to make decisions with more data than a human would driving. So for example, they'd be able to tell what the repercussions would be if you were to crash into the truck and if it exploded and spilled chemicals all over the place. Or it would be able to analyze the net worth of all the people that, uh, or the insurance policies of all the people that would potentially be involved. Or their their income or their um, their age. And so all these different factors might play into the decision that an AI would choose if it was given the same situation that a human would. And so part of the project is trying to determine whether or not people would make different decisions than an AI would. Um, so in the experience, we give the audience kind of the, the no data version, like, oh, what do I do? I'm panicking. I got to make a decision. Okay, I'll go off the cliff. And then we present all this extra data, put you in the shoes of the AI, and now you have to make a decision knowing everything that an AI would potentially know. And it becomes a a bit of an ethical challenge, right? It's the trolley problem. When you have more information, it makes the decision much harder. So at some point, these artificial intelligences will have to make a decision. And those decisions are based off of basically humans and how they program these AIs. So the ethical choices that AI will make will kind of be bound by input from people. And so right now, uh, there's no real kind of social framing for that. Um, And it's being done by the companies that are designing the AI. So the the Teslas, the Googles. um, And do we really want corporations kind of guiding those those ethical um, frameworks for the AI? Yeah, I I remember seeing at like the very end, you have to make a choice whether which people do you want kind of making the moral choices which is like lawyers uh the three like robotic laws oh yeah isaac asimov's uh yeah (laughs) laws of robotics (laughs) 
Um, <laughs> I just know them as the three robot laws because I've seen too many sci-fi movies. <laughs> totally. Um, you got the insurance companies, and then we got like the driver themselves. Right. The owner of the car. Yeah, and I thought it was very interesting because I I chose the the robotics because I was like I don't want a lawyer doing it. I don't want insurance companies doing it. And I'm pretty sure I don't want the responsibility of choosing to be on myself. So I chose that. And it was, I think it kind of a little bit surprising to see it so big. I guess I was expecting like maybe a little more to other sides, especially to like the lawyer side or even like to the drivers themselves. Right. So, like, yeah. did you expect that kind of result to happen, or were you expecting something else? Uh, when I built it, I really wasn't sure what to expect, what people would choose as to who should design the ethical algorithms, right? Should it be the owner? Should we always prioritize the, the driver of the car at the expense of, of people outside the car? Or should we always abide by the law, like, even if it means potentially killing someone, like, do you never cross over the line if um, if there's like something in your lane? Are you allowed to cross the line? Um, or does I think one of them was the insurance company? Should the insurance company's policies on on the the value of these different lives be the driving uh, decision? Um, and then there is the Isaac Asimov, and I wasn't expecting Asimov, but um, Asimov's three laws of robotics, I think, are the it's the easiest choice in that it's less decisive and maybe more uh, more I- ideal. Because <laughs> basically it says that uh, do no harm to humans is, is the, the first law. And that, in theory, makes good, good sense. But when you actually try to apply it in real life, it's like, what does that mean? If, if there's a pedestrian that walks out in front of your car and the car has to slam its brakes and potentially give you whiplash as the driver you're not harming the pedestrian, but you're harming the driver. So there will be situations where the robot can't do anything but harm somebody, right? So there's situations where that law just won't work. Um, but it sounds good in theory. <laughs> yeah, it, it definitely does. And it's like a little bit better to be like the car did it and not the person did it. Right. Um, oh, I saw that I was kind of, very interested in why you chose the kind of car insurance people, uh, especially when, as you are kind of driving, you can are able to see how much it costs, like the people themselves, the town that you might or might not explode. Um, and I was interested in, in why you went to that front, I guess, of, uh, of reducing the people to the money. Is that so. Right. Yeah. So in the experience, um, when an AI, oh, I, okay, I'll start again. <laughs> Don't worry about it. <laughs> so when computer programmers who are designing the algorithms, when they approach things, they typically approach it from a very kind of data centric um, approach. So what data do they have to work with in order to make these decisions? Because it's very hard to program a computer with like emotions or these kind of soft skills that, that people have. So they would computer programmers would go with the data and then if you're looking at data and numbers, like how do you put a number on who to kill and not to kill? Well, insurance companies already have numbers on the, the value of people's lives because they pay out that money when the insurance policy gets activated. So, um, so that would seem to be a kind of an easy way for computer programs to program the algorithms because those are our data um, that can be used. And so that's how I guess I would expect AI systems to think about the situation. Um, not that I would necessarily <laughs> say that that's the way I would want it to be done. No, no, no. But it's- I thought when I saw the choice, I thought it was like the car insurance people. So I, th- I think that knowing that it is the data collected from the car insurance or in the insurances is an interesting kind of aspect to put on there. Yeah. So there was the, I guess, the insurance value of the people. There was also the age. Um, I think let me put in like occupation in there as well. Uh, so in theory, computers, once they can identify you, because facial recognition is, is definitely... 
uh, it's a technology that's available today. Once they can identify you, then they can like look at your social media profile and they can find out what kind of person, what kind of things you do, what kind of activities you're in, like for better or for worse, <laughs> that is stuff is public on the internet. So in theory, a computer could use that to help frame its decision. And so if you're a criminal, would it kind of bias you lower on the scale of survivability compared to like a, a Mother Teresa type character? Like how does it, it factor in all these other elements that, uh, that are available? And should it? Should it use this data or should it be ignorant to this data? So it's, uh, it, there's a lot of difficult ethical questions that these uh, developers have to answer. Yeah, and it's, it's all done in like a VR experience. So um, do you think that this was kind of the only way to kind of get into like the meat of your story, of, to get into like the meat of the morality question you posed to put in like VR, or do you think it could have been in a different medium? Well, I think uh, as you referred to earlier, this question's been asked many times in the past. Like the trolley Most problem is, yeah. is the classic. Um, and I've talked to some ethics researchers, um, some here at UBC, and often the way they implement their tests is they'll like hand someone a form and the person's filling up the form. So they're reading a scenario and then they're kind of choosing what they would do. Um, where VR comes in is that once you're in VR, you feel like you're actually present. And so I wanted people to make the decision based off of what they would feel when they're actually in this scenario, as opposed to kind of theorizing, okay, I'm reading this on a piece of paper, this is what I would do. Um, because that, that feeling of presence of being there changes your decision. Like if you actually feel like, oh, I could be involved in this accident, is that, that, that is much more visceral and will hopefully give a more truthful answer um, as to what you would do. And so uh, I know it's in, in the sciences, VR has been um, looked at as a potential medium for doing this, these kind of tests and, and research where you can invoke a more realistic response from the, uh, the people who are being studied. Um, so I'm hoping VR. <laughs> <laughs> You're like, VR sounds like the best bet. Well, I think it's, it's probably better than what we have now in some ways. Um, in some ways, it's 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 not um, <laughs> <laughs> like the the aesthetic of the piece is obviously very kind of game like. Um, yeah, I was I was wondering why you why the people that you're around and even like the whole world is <laughs> is done in very like a kind of cardboard cutesy way. Right. Yeah. Yeah. There was a a lot of reasons for that. Um, one of the reasons was. I didn't want it to be kind of gory and, and too realistic. I didn't want to have people actually dying and guts and all that stuff. Because it, it's something that um, I wanted the piece to be able to be accessible by, by a larger audience. But uh, probably a major consideration was just the technology itself. Um, this piece was done in 2015. And it was uh, meant to run on mobile devices. So the computational power of these mobile devices isn't super great. So you have to find ways to optimize for, for these devices. And one of the ways is to reduce uh, what's referred to in 3D as the polygon count. So you reduce the number of polys, and you can get a better, more responsive performance. And so the cardboard aesthetic kind of came out of trying to achieve a low-poly look but not going with the traditional kind of flat-shaded low-poly look. By throwing on a cardboard texture, it gave it a, a little bit more of a, a textural element that kind of made it kind of fun and novel. Um, there was also uh, Google Cardboard had come out, so it was kind of a nod towards uh, Google Cardboard and their push into VR as well. So, uh, yeah, there were a number of factors that, that uh, resulted in the cardboard aesthetic. Yeah. And I think maybe like even the cardboard aesthetic aesthetic kind of made me feel more sympathetic. Oh, more I sympathetic. Guess. Okay, that's uh, great. Because it's, it's done in a very like kind of cutesy way. My like immediate thoughts like, oh, so cute. Don't want anything bad to happen. <laughs> um, yeah, hopefully you get a little bit of empathy for your passengers so that you make a, uh, a decision. <laughs> a <good choice. laughs> well, it makes some of the choices harder too, though, right? Because yeah. you know you're potentially affected. Um, and I think one of the hardest ch uh, choice is is uh, having kind of a passenger with you. 
um, as as most kind of trolley problems, you're by yourself and you're doing this by yourself. So um, why why did you think that you added like another passenger to the um, scenario that you were going for? Definitely. The, the additional passenger, initially I, this project didn't have a passenger. I was uh, suggested to, um, to put in the passenger by a, a great producer at the NFB, Michelle Van Vuzicom. Uh, and it made sense in that it made some of the decisions more difficult. When you aren't just completely sacrificing yourself, when you have to consider the lives of others in the situation, it's, it makes it more challenging, certainly. Um, also, being a self-driving car, there was the the whole idea of whether or not you're actually in the car because you don't actually see your own body in the car. Um, because in the piece, I wanted people to feel like they're in the car so they can make a choice that they they would be affected. But I also wanted them to be the AI in the car, the artificial intelligence, in that um, they had to make the decision. And so if they were in the if they were the AI of the car then why is this car driving around? And so the passenger or the, the, the passenger of the car kind of contextualized that in a way that made sense as much as the story can make sense. So, mm-hmm. yeah, the, the piece, um, is, it's been a great learning experience. Uh, we've showed it at a variety of different festivals. Um, at the Real to Real Festival, I got to see lots of kids use it, and they oh. seem to enjoy it quite a bit. Uh, even if they don't get the... The more philosophical questions and ethical questions, uh, I think they enjoy the passenger. Yeah, that must have been very interesting to give to children. Because, <laughs> like, I was doing it, I was like, oh, man, these choices. And, like, I don't... Do you think that there was, like, a huge difference between the way that the kids reacted to it than the way that kind of, like, adults react to it? Oh, yeah, absolutely. Like, the kids, once they get in the car, there's they turn to the right and see the little the passenger cardboard person, and they're like, hey, and they start talking <laughs> to them and playing with them. And I don't think the crash really bothers them that much. Um, because it's got that video game aesthetic, I think they're, they're used to uh, things in video games dying without any consequence. So it's uh, they take it in a pretty lighthearted um, manner. Um, yeah. It affects people differently. I think with any type of media, you're going to have uh, people bringing their own experiences into it, and so they take away different things from it, certainly. Well, that's. it sounds like so much fun, and I'm really, really glad I was able to play on it. Yeah, even. thanks for trying it out. <laughs> yeah, it was really great. Um, so you are going to be able to show this at the Real to Real Film Festival for the Youth on July 13th at the Granville Island? Yep, Performance Works. Awesome. Well, thank you so much for coming. Oh, thanks for having me. Okay, um, I'm going to come back, just going to play some ads and PSAs, and then we're going to just talk a little bit about some cool plays that I went to go see, like Timon of Athens, and I went to the Carnival of the Soul, so I'll tell you guys all about it. Okay, thanks. To understand more about fashion, we asked CITR student executive and fashion expert Jonathan Q what fashion means to him. Like, it's just aesthetically something that's so ostentatious. Typically, typically. I mean, because of course, I mean, it's also, you know, I mean, when, when you say fashion, I think people are talking explicitly about uh, consumerism as opposed to someone who buys, like, uh, like, you know. Let's say, you know, someone buys a if you really want to know more about fashion, come on down to CITR in the Student Union Building of UBC and pick up some of our merchandise à la mode. Nous avons t-shirts, sweatshirts, socks, and coffee mugs. But it's also very aesthetically gripping. To keep you styling and support the station you love. Isn't that right, Jonathan? Well, actually, is it? Because, I mean, you know, I was going to say because of the cultural vacuum that we exist within, but then, you know, uh, really, fashion today is kind of derived from the European idea of couture, and that's been around for centuries. Someone. Help! When 
you ever feel uncomfortable or unsafe walking around campus at night? There's an AMS service dedicated to helping anyone trying to get across campus alone at night. We're SafeWalk, and we have your back. Call us at 604-822-5355 to request a transfer, or check out our website at ams.ubc.ca forward slash SafeWalk for more information on hours and policies. This is Ileana once again. Um, nice to see you guys. So, um, sorry about all the all the things that are happening. This is my first time, so please, sorry again. Um, so, I kind of really, really, really want to talk about Carnival de Sol, mostly because I got I kept saying Festival de Sol when we were talking about it last time, but they're actually called Carnival de Sol. So sorry. Um, Carnival de Sol, I went to go check it out. I could only go uh, the 8th of this month to go check them out, even though they were going from the 7th and 8th. Um, I went to go there. It was just so much fun. I had such a great time. I just ate so much Mexican food, and I got to kind of go to the beer garden, which was really, like, a huge party. Like, I didn't realize how big of a party it was going to be. Um, but it was, like, a lot of fun. I am really excited when it comes back next year, and I definitely think you guys should check it out. It was really, really cool. They had a lots of beautiful pieces of works, work, like jewelry and hats, and, and just, like, it was so cool. They had this beautiful necklace that uh, this beautiful woman was uh, making that would come up to the neck and fan out all across the shoulders, and it was all beaded. It was very amazing and I really wanted it but it was kind of out of my price range sadly so a little heartbroken about that but um it was just so much um pride in their in like Latin and Latinx culture it was just really amazing to see that and being able to see kind of the community there was amazing as well you would just see so many people just talking in Spanish to one another and just having such a great old time there I just was so excited to even just be a part of it that um then I just bought like a lot of food to just sit with people that I didn't know try to talk to them and just like learn about some stuff that was happening um, in their life and things that they liked at the festival and it was just a really amazing experience um, so I just I really wanted to kind of touch on how much kind of the soul was just amazing place to go and I know I'm just keep I keep saying amazing but it just was and I'm just really happy that I that there's a festival like this that um, people can go to to just be a part of a community or show other people their community as well. And it was just amazing to even eat some really good Mexican food. I've been dying. I like when I saw that there was um, enchiladas, I immediately went to the, <laughs> to the stand to buy some because I was like, oh my God, I missed that. I'm from Texas, so <laughs> um, we're very much known for like our Tex-Mex food and even like our Mexican food. So it was a really amazing to just have like a piece of home to get back to um another thing that I went to go check out this like week was the Timon of Athens it's a play a Shakespearean play um that was being done by Bard on the Beach I was very lucky to go to the opening night to um it's gonna be at the Bard Hill Beach Bard of Beach till September the 9th so it's going to be there for a long long time I would definitely recommend checking out it's the ending I don't want to spoil it but it's the best ever and just such an amazing and very I think ambitious way of using the stage to kind of show um the 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 character's emotional state um so if you don't know Timon of Athens, the Shakespearean play, uh, about this, um, they kind of rendered a little bit to be more modern, but it's about this uh, woman named Timon. I'm pretty sure I'm saying that right. Um, but she 
she goes to she's very rich and she goes to her friends and like gives them a bunch of gifts and she very much obviously very much loves them and really wants to be there for them both financially and like even emotionally at times I think um but she has a friend um which I I don't know how I felt uh uh she um she basically tells uh Timon that uh she needs to be wary of the other people around her life her so-called friends as they don't seem to really care about her and more about what her um what her money will give to them like what she'll give to them for them and what she will uh lend out like how much and obviously she will hand out as much as she can to these people and it turns out that Timon because of how much she is giving out she doesn't have any more to give and she goes through this kind of phase where she's like I don't know like it's fine it's fine my friends will help me out it's totally fine like this is great so she gets kind of her her it's it's more about her story of going to her friends asking for this and uh dealing with the rejection of her friends being like oh no we can't I'm sorry this isn't something we can do right now I'm going through financial troubles myself and like how that affects Timon specifically like how hard that affects her her way that she's been thinking of of how being able to give as much money and not understanding that other people will just kind of use that generosity instead of repaying it. Um, so it's a very, it, I was a little worried at the first start of the play as, um, at the first start of the play, I think we're at a dinner party that Timid is, uh, putting on you got so many voices just talking to one another in different places. The, the whole stage itself is very, um, kind of open for the audience so you're able to to kind of listen in on like one conversation but like on the other side they couldn't hear that conversation at all so I was kind of worried that this was going to be like the set of the play but that's not what it turned out I was very very thankful that it didn't turn out to be kind of like we can only hear on one side because like at the very start I was like leaning over trying to hear everyone I was like do I need to run across I want to know what's happening I want to know these like dialogues that are being exchanged right here but it, it turned out that it just it was just that kind of atmosphere scene when you're just kind of stuck in this party that you're not really a part of but kind of because the actors themselves very much interact with the audience like giving them waves giving them kisses handshakes it was very very interesting it very much made me feel like I was in the end of like a juicy dinner party scene so that's why I was super super like worried that I wasn't gonna be able to hear all the juicy parts um but it thankfully didn't turn out that way um and we it slowly at the very start of the dinner party it started to um go on to more of the play itself um so I think all the actors did really really well I think oh man I don't know which wealthy friend this was I think oh man I don't know I don't know if it's I don't think it's Lucius, Lucius, ah, crap, I don't know who it was, but she was really amazing, she, you can, you'll probably tell exactly who I'm talking about if you go see the show, I'm sadly, I don't remember, uh, what character she plays, as she is one of the very wealthy friends, but her facial expressions are amazing, she's the one that asks for, um, uh oh, oh oh it's Flavius I think it's Flavius and that actor that plays Flavius is Moa O'Connell I think I hope I'm saying that right I'm so bad at the names but she was really really great she was so much uh like so much facial expressions like it was ridiculous and it was kind of like those very like over dramatized kind of celebrity impressions I don't know it was just she was really very like a standout 
performance to me because of how much she was able to like animate her face in such a kind of comedy dramatic like way a dramatic comedy way um so i it was definitely really really like her but i have to give definite shout outs to uh our main a- main actress uh colin wheeler who plays timon timon oh god i'm never gonna get that right um she at the last kind of scene that she does that's like really just all the thing mounting together all the anger she feels and everything is one of the best scenes and honestly was just so amazing to see that perform so well it was it was everything you could want because you had such a great setting and you had such a great actress playing this part it was just amazing i'm sorry i keep saying amazing but it just really was um yeah it was a really really good play i would definitely recommend checking it out if you're just even like a huge fan of shakespeare as i as i know at least for me i don't know how i feel about shakespeare i kind of like him kind of don't at times but this um i've never really seen this play so it was a very new experience to me and i think they really nailed it out of the park with this one especially the way that they handled kind of making it more modern the way that they inserted kind of uh ipads and and phones and messaging and twitter and social media it was just really really well done especially for the play itself and the kind of themes it deals with um yeah i don't think i've ever seen kind of a play that was able especially like a shakespearean play that was able to use kind of the social media as well as this one and i think it really worked well with putting it into a present time um yeah i thought it was really really good um i i told you guys that i kind of had a not with the actress herself but i think the uh, uh the character itself i she so timon has like a friend who's actually like a really good friend um she's not like a mean friend at all she's actually like the best one um she's super awesome um uh oh maybe it was oh crap um no 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 sorry about the person i was talking about who was uh who was really really good at facial expressions i think she i think it was actually ventidious i think it was actually ventidious i'm so sorry um oblivious um ventidious who was uh quelma sparrow actually was the one i'm pretty sure oh my god i hope (laughs) if i mess it up that'd be super embarrassing and i'm already off to a rough start um but her her friend her like only real friend um i think is uh crap 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 her only like true true friend is a pentis a pentamus a pentus i'm never gonna get that right i'm sorry guys i'm just really bad at names um she is played by marcy t house um and i she was actually really really good really funny i really liked her performance i wish i kind of i wish she played a more bigger role uh especially i wanted to kind of see her being asked for money as well she's one of the i think she's one of the ones that doesn't get asked i'm pretty sure uh she doesn't get asked for money um but i was kind of i didn't know how i felt with um her a person of color being kind of put into the role of like the black friend um i i thought i was like "Mm," but i I mean, she she did really well in the role. I just kind of wish she was in, like, a bigger role because I think she was, like, a really interesting actress. Um, and also the whole stereotype of, like, oh, the wealthy rich, rich friend and their uh, person of color friend, their best friend who doesn't get, like, a lot of screen time, that sort of thing. I That's just a personal thing. Um, yeah, uh, that's kind of it. But it, the, re- the rest of the play was really, really good. I just wanted to see more of the kind of relationship that Timon and uh, um, Apamentus have with one another. Uh, but that, I mean, it's a Shakespearean play, so we can't really change. I mean, I guess we could change some stuff about the script. 
Um, but I think that was a really just a nitpicky thing that I had. That was it. I mean, everything else was really, really good. I, I very much love the costume designs. You could kind of see the personality of each of the people. And I thought it was really, really cool. And I don't know if I was the only one who noticed. But all of the very, uh, even Timon, Timon at points had like very high heels. And the only one that didn't really have high heels were the people who were uh, the workers. Uh, the workers who, who worked for Timon and Apimantis. Ap 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 didn't have like too high of a heel so it was like a very lower heel and once I think Timon lost their money they downgraded to the heels and I thought that was like a really interesting way of showing of differentiating the characters like even subtly so I definitely had to give a shout out to that because I thought it was really really cool and I don't know if I was the only one that noticed that but if you do watch it look it out and if I am wrong that Timon doesn't wear, doesn't wear that high heels or someone else wears like lower heels that isn't like uh, um, Appamantis or any of the workers that uh, work for Timon uh, let me know because I'm pretty sure she was the they were the only ones that had like lower heels than everyone else everyone almost like in super big heels um, but I thought that was like a really cool subtle thing and so you could see kind of the the type of of thought process they had for this play a lot um yeah it was um really really good I would definitely check it out so it's playing at um the Bard on the Beach it's one of their plays that they're doing it's going from June 26th to the September the 9th or just to September the 9th I'd definitely go check it out it's a lot a lot of fun it's a really interesting um themes and just kind of an interesting dynamic on how um how we deal with money and what that means for us, especially I think on this time where we're very, I think we're very all conscious about money and what we do with it and what, uh, what, we, what we do with it and what can be done with it. With like the rise of like Bitcoin or, or other like electronic money. So it's very interesting to see that. Yeah. Um, so I'm going to go play some more ads and PSAs, but I think when we get back, I'll just be able to talk to you guys about some stuff I'm kind of really into right now and excited to talk about. Okay, thanks guys. Bye. The 41st Vancouver Folk Music Festival comes to Jericho Beach Park July 13th to 15th. Experience the music of your world with artists from across North America and around the globe coming to make this the best weekend of your summer. Artists this year include the great Rye Cooter featuring the Hamiltones, the glorious Nico Case, the exciting Son Jarocho of Mexico's Son de Madeira, Rodney Crowell, Juno winners The Dead South, Bluesman Guy Davis, Mozambique's Wazimbo, and Banda Kakana, Alex Cuba, and many more. Come to the beach to hear a world of music and magic at the Vancouver Folk Music Festival. Info and tickets at thefestival.bc.ca. Last night, I left the bar. I was thirsty, and I don't drink wine. I was desperate. I needed blood. I turned to the only place I could. The only place that could possibly help me. Hello, Canadian Blood Services. Hello. I need some blood. A. Positive or negative, it doesn't matter. I'm sorry, we're all out of A positive and negative. Would you like some O instead? No. No, that won't do. Thank you. Good night. Save me. Save yourself. Give blood voluntarily. 
This message was brought to you courtesy of the Canadian Blood Services and CITR Radio 101.9 FM. Hi, so this is, you are listening to the CITR Radio 101.9 FM, broadcasting from unceded Musqueam Territory in Vancouver. This is the art support, just in case you didn't remember. Um, I'm Ileana, again, Ileana Sosa. Um, I'm hosting today. Um, so now we're gonna, I don't have a lot of things to talk about, sadly. I do have one thing, though. Uh, once, uh, that play that I talked about on here a few days ago, or a few seasons ago. Uh, once this playing is extending its uh, run until August the 5th. Um, so if you are still really, really interested in music and seeing just like an amazing cast, like seriously, they're so good. They're such good singers. I love them even more than the actual Broadway cast. I would definitely buy, God, Hey, if once people, if you're listening on to this, uh, definitely please send me like a CD of just this cast singing because it's amazing and phenomenal. And I honestly would not want you to miss it out. The story, don't go for the story, go for the music. Trust me, it's so worth it. Yeah, I just wanted to give a shout out to them because I very much enjoyed them. Um, but other than that, it's just kind of me and you guys just talking about things. Um, I really like talking to Vincent as well. I just kind of want to talk about that a little bit more because I very much are, am interested in like VR games um, and the way that we kind of are. It's becoming like a new medium to video games and even to like how we look at problems just being in the center of it all. Um, I've been playing a lot of VR video uh, horror games, so that's my only kind of uh, relationship to VR games. Um, I'm sure you play them. I'm like, I'm obsessed with them and like horror games in general, um, as you could tell from our last like video where we just, me and Jake just talk about Outlast for like a couple of good seconds. Um, I mean, it's a fun game. Um, other than that, I mean, right now I'm just playing. Um, some shadow runners because they had a free deal and I was able to get it because of a good friend letting me know um, and that's what I've been doing most of my days just playing shadow runner where um, it's I'm a really huge fan of film noir kind of vibes or just noir type of, of things so we in the game shadow runners you play as any type of magical race like human troll dwarf troll or orc I'm definitely playing as trolled because they're super cool. <laughs> Trolls are cool, guys. Trust me. Um, and you are exam like kind of investigating the murder of this really good friend of yours, who is really really cool and sadly has passed away. So you had to figure out who murdered him and why, and trying to like understand the city that you're in. And so it's just a lot of fun. Um, sadly, the text. It, it's a very old game, so the text is really, really small. I just had one of my roommates, I was playing it, and I was like, one of my roommates was coming over, and she was like, how can you read that? And I'm like, my eyes are like almost glued onto the screen. I'm trying to read those like small texts so bad. Um, so that's basically how I've been spending my time, just staring at the screen till my eyes are like, uh, you need to stop. Um, <laughs> so that's kind of what I've been doing. Um, there's also some, as I was playing like kind of the vampire give blood PSA, um, there's also uh, a game I've been playing called vampire. It's really fun. I'm sure you've seen like a lot of people playing it. It's not a very, I don't, it's kind of a newish game. Um, I don't know if I would classify it as really new now. It's, um, and it, it came out this year, but it's a really fun game as well. I'm sorry, I'm just talking about video games. Uh, <laughs> I just, like, usually I have someone to bounce off ideas on, but it's just me and you, so I'm, you're just going to have to listen to my rant about video games. Sorry about that. Also, sorry, I keep saying sorry. It's just something I do. Um, very Canadian, even though I'm super American. Um, but it's a really fun game, Vampire. Uh... And then that, just trying to um, kind of get through life, also watching a bunch of Queer Eye. Um, you know how it be, 
how you just kind of sit down and just watch whatever is on or just go on Netflix and just press play and just watch all the seasons go by. Um, yeah, Vampire is really fun. I guess I really didn't talk about it that much. I said I was going to talk about it, but then I didn't. Um, so Vampire is about you play as uh, Jonathan Reed, I think. I forgot his name. I'm really bad at names. Um, but he is turned into a vampire and he's like a doctor that specializes in blood. And so you are trying to figure out who, uh, who sired you, who made you into a vampire and who is, or what is happening to all of these citizens around you because there's a plague going on. <laughs> Not even vampires, just plagues too. So like it's double the fun. Um, <laughs> And you're just trying to understand those kind of things and you and just kind of like I think morality is being played up more and more in video games and in uh, interesting ways. Uh, you are able to choose whether you'll be a good good vampire or a bad vampire. I, of course, always choose the good vampire because I feel terrible when I'm not good. Um, I, I think... I just feel terrible because I'm like, oh no, I want to be the good guy. I want people to be like, I'm the hero. And so you could probably guess what I chose when I played Cardboard Crash. Uh, and I chose to kill myself and my darling child, sadly. But thankfully, we had like a 98% chance of living, which was nice. Um, or at least my child was, not me. Uh, which I was fine with. I mean, whatever. Um... So yeah, I've been playing that for a long a while now. Um, I'm very, very bad at video games. I very much enjoy them, but I'm very, very bad. I can't keep running into things, and uh, I'm really bad at combat. I get killed so much. So sadly, I do play on easy mode on a lot of games, so I know I don't play on normal or hard, and I'm sorry if that makes me kind of like not that big of a gamer fan or something I don't know that's just something some people say um other than that like video games are very are coming out to be very interesting and I'm really excited for people to try the VR game that Vincent has made I think it'll be a lot of fun um I think that I would have maybe liked to know what other people had chose as well um and also kind of see if they might have accidentally pressed a different button like I did or if that's what their choice was because I think I accidentally pressed um I think I accidentally pressed before I got like the information of everything I think I accidentally pressed the exploding button where I like crashed into the truck instead which was not my not my first choice at all I think I was just having a little trouble with the controls and I really hope it doesn't say oh yeah she said that she was gonna do uh she was gonna run off the cliff but actually she ran into like the giant huge a uh, truck that like explodes everything and everyone dies and that would be like very sad I'd be like no that's not what my what my legacy should go out as um yeah so uh other than that um I got so I really kind of are interested in more Barn on the Beach I'm sorry this is so random but I'm just like looking at stuff around me and talking about it um I'm really interested in the Barn on the Beach that has you like it uh, if I could even I could hear kind of the Beatles music because it is uh, a mix with the play and even with the Beatles, which was during the play of Timon and Athens, I could hear some of the music playing, which really like undercuts the kind of tension that happens in Timon of Athens. They're totally completely different things. Um, but that one was playing as uh as I was uh, watching Timon of Athens, and it was just like, oh no, I hear this Beatles song, and I'm like watching something very like serious. Um, probably not the best combination at all. Um, other than that, though, uh, that's kind of it. Was just a really good play, and I would really love to see as you like it. It's all. It's all being done at the Bard on the Beach, and I've never really been to Bard on the Beach, so it was, like, one of my first times, and I'm very interested in it. I'm also interested in seeing Lestrada. Lestrada? I think I'm saying that right. Hopefully I am. Uh, as well as I'm a huge fan of those kind of interesting activism 
uh, plays is something that has to deal with kind of our modern times and the way that uh, that plays are being adapted or even how the the themes and uh, comedic effect of them is being handled now. I think that's a very interesting um, dynamic that goes on in how people kind of reintroduce reintroduce modernize plays into different social um social scenes that aren't happening now since yeah i mean uh, i know i haven't talked about like macbeth and i don't understand the uh the scariness of it but apparently that's a bad thing to say on a stage i'm i'm glad i didn't say that when i was talking to someone um but I kind of want to see Macbeth. I kind of don't. I'm not always into like very serious plays, but I think it's a it, it it'll be an interesting one as well. So definitely check out all these plays. I think I'm definitely taking my parents there. So um, you probably don't know who I look like, so that'll be good. Uh, but no, if you're going there, you will see me in passing, in a very passing sense. Um, yeah. So I will be hosting this whole month. Hopefully my, I, I'm pretty sure I will be working a little bit harder to um, make sure everything goes a little bit more smoothly than, than this beginning. We had some really good guests though. I, I'm very happy with uh, the few things that we were talking about and the guests that came on again. Uh, shout out to Vincent. Um, but yeah, so I think that this it was really good. I'm glad that I was able to be like a host for you guys. And I hope to continue being like a very better host than I was today, but a better one and just keep on improving. So thank you so much guys for listening. And we got a few more minutes. We got like two more minutes where I can just talk to you about things. Um, how you doing? (laughs) I know this is very awkward, but this is just how it goes sometimes where you're just like kind of awkward, kind of like a little, trying to trying to be cool trying to be nice trying to be super super dope i don't know why i said that word don't know why that word is still around is that word still around or is it like one of those words that like dies off after a while i think it was is um yeah i think some other things i'll probably be hopefully talking a little bit more we'll have some more interviews maybe two this time instead of one even though I know I keep talking about Vincent but I very much enjoy talking to him I wish I could have talked to him more but I think uh we need a little bit give him a little time to um head off kind of enjoy the sunset or enjoy the sun I guess (laughs) um other than that there's kind of all I have so yeah thank you so much for listening to my rambles thanks so much for just being a really good viewer or listener I guess thanks listeners Okay, bye. I'll see you next Wednesday.